0: We start off. Story about a preacher who ran into an old friend of his. Friend he hadn't seen in many, many years. And this friend who was always in the past had been so well dressed, so neat, so well kept, was disheveled, hadn't shaved in three or four days. Clothes were rumpled and brow was furrowed with worry. And the preacher asked his old friend, He said, What in the world is wrong? And the man began going into a litany of all of the woes and all of the problems that he had. He said, My old friend, I have a mountain of credit card debt, all of my investments have gone sour. My business is drowning in red ink. My car is about to be repossessed. My house is in foreclosure. I've got so much on my plate to be worried about. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I'm ready to just quit, to just give up and resign from life. And the preacher told his good friend, he said, I don't want you to be anxious about these things. He said, what you need to do is you need to spend more time in God's Word. I want you to study the Word of God. And his friend said, you know that I've never been a religious person. I grew up without any... I don't even know where to start to let God speak to me through His Word. The preacher said, tell you what, to do. Here's, a, here's a good way for you to start. He said, I want you to go home. You've got a Bible, don't you? Yeah, Oh, yeah, i got a Bible. He said, I want you to go home and I want you to get your Bible. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to open your Bible and I want you to just drop your finger down to the page. And whatever God's Word speaks to you, I want you to let that guide your life. And so they parted company. About six months went by before the preacher ran into his friend again. He runs into him and he's dressed in a brand new Hickey Freeman suit. He's wearing a 14-carat gold Rolex watch. He just stepped out of a brand new Mercedes S-Class. The preacher greets his old friend and he said, Well, you seem to be a lot better than you were the last time. You don't seem so worried and you seem like things have turned around for you. He said, Man, they have turned around for me in fine fashion. And I owe it all to you, preacher. I did what you said. I got started spending time in the Word of God. I have no more worries. I have no more anxieties. And I'm thanking you for it. I went home after we were together the last time. I did just what you said. I got the Bible down off the shelf. I closed my eyes, I opened the Bible, I dropped my finger to the page, and there was the answer coming to me straight out of God's Word, chapter 11. He had no more worries. Worry. Anxiety. I want to see a show of hands right now of how many in this room are living a life without any anxiety and without any worry, right here, right now. That's what I thought. What are the things we worry about? What are some of the things that you and I worry about in life? Is there something that sends chills up your spine, other than snakes? To be truthful, we worry about everything under the sun. We worry about things from what we're going to wear to whether we're going to have a job or whether we're going to be able to pay the bills next month or not. And worry is something that consumes the life of so many, many people. It's something that affects the health of many people also. Because folks that are in a constant state of worry can destroy their health. Medical doctors have estimated that 25% of the patients that come to see them are what would be called well-worried. And doctors spend a lot of time examining people that aren't really sick. People that are just worried. Worry is the diet of our day. Because we are plagued with the what-if problem. What if my car was demolished? What if I get laid off work? What if my house gets burglarized? What if I get some incurable disease? Folks that have a good job a lot of times are worried that they might lose it. And folks that have good health are worried that they might not have that good health very long. And if our children have moved out and left the house, sometimes we worry they might come back. From breakfast... Until bedtime, we worry. Our lives are characterized by worry. I even know people, or I have known people, whose biggest worry in life was the fact that they didn't have anything to worry about. I had a little grandmother like that. I even asked her one day, I said, What what are you so worried about? I don't know, I just don't have anything to worry about, and it worries me. That's the way she was. She lived her life to worry. Most of us can identify even with the woman that went to the doctor. And she told the doctor, she said, I am very seriously ill. It's not been diagnosed, but here's the disease that I have. And the doctor said, well, ma'am, I'm familiar with that disease, and you can't possibly have that disease. Because that disease is never accompanied by any discomfort of any kind. And she said, that's just it. That's what I'm so worried about. I feel absolutely wonderful. It's like a little boy said one time. He said, my mother, my mother is such a worrier. One little cough, and she thinks I've got bronchitis. If I have... Just a headache. She thinks I've got a brain tumor. One little lie, and she thinks I'm going to become a politician. Then my favorite is the man that was at work one day. And his co-workers realized he was just about as nervous as a centipede with athlete's foot. And they said, what is wrong with you? Because this guy was normally very calm and cool and collected, as we say. They said, what in the world is wrong with you? He said, a few years ago, I went home one day, and my wife was whistling, doing her housework, and she was whistling tea for two. A few months later, we had twins. A couple of years after that, I went home, and my wife's watching a movie on television. It's The Three Musketeers. Four months later, we had triplets. I went home last night, and she's reading Birth of a Nation. He was worried. He was concerned. So you see, there's all kinds of things we worry about. Now, I'm getting to the point of this. And the point of all of this is, you and I worry about things. You and I have anxieties about things. But in this book, God speaks to us, me and you, where we are. God speaks to us where we live, and it's not chapter 11. But in the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord discussed the subject of worry. I want to read a somewhat lengthy for me text this morning from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin with verse 24, or 25 rather, and read through the end of the chapter. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feedeth them? Are not you much more valuable and better than they? And which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory is not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought. What we shall eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. The morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day. Is the evil thereof. Jesus discusses worry here, and it's an interesting reason that he does. Preceding this, Jesus has just told the people not to let money be their master. And having told them not to let money be their master, he gives them a much better way to handle the problem of worry. Jesus says, Take no thought, that's the King James translation. The American Standard Version is a better rendering, be not anxious. And then some of the more modern translations just say, don't worry about the things. In the original language, the word that's translated, take no thought or be not anxious, in the original language, the word actually means distracted. That is, don't let anxiety about food and about clothing distract you from the more important things in life. That's what happened to Martha in Luke chapter 10. Jesus had gone to that little home in Bethany where Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus lived. A home that that no doubt <clears throat> Excuse me. A home that no doubt Jesus had been to many times before. In fact, I like to think that that little home in Nazareth or or, or in Bethany there where Jesus went to to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus was was a place that he often went to get away from the crowd. To get away from the people always clamoring for his attention. I, I like to think Jesus knew where the spare key was hidden there. So that he could unlock the house and go in any time that he wanted to. They were they were close. And Jesus was there, and the disciples were there, and Martha is in the kitchen, and Luke tells us she was. Cumbered with much serving. She had every pot in the kitchen on the stove. She had the crock pots going, probably electric skillet, everything she could find to cook something in. She was preparing dinner. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha was a little perturbed. And she said, Why don't you say something to my sister, Lord? Why don't you scold her a little bit? Why don't you tell her she needs to be helping me? And Jesus looked at her and He said, Martha, you are worried about so many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good thing. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus says, our life is more important than food. And our life is more important than clothing. Who provides our lives and our bodies? Who breathed breathed life into our body? Who provided life? It was God. If the God of heaven can provide life for our bodies, He can also provide the food and the clothing to sustain that life that He has created. Jesus said in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They don't toil. They don't gather in the barns. But God takes care of them. We must have faith. Faith in the providential care of God. And the birds of the air are an excellent example of God's ability to provide. God provides for their needs through His providence. God has made the workings of nature in such a way that the birds are taken care of and their needs are supplied. That doesn't mean the birds just sit back and wait for it. It doesn't mean the birds don't have to work for their needs. Birds are often busy gathering insects and worms. In fact, watching this this past week when we had the snow all over the ground, it was interesting to watch the birds trying to find some seed in amongst all that snow and, and to look at their little tracks through the snow but they survived and they managed and they found the things that God had provided for them they're busy gathering insects and worms and preparing nests and caring for their young but the birds of the air they're not guilty of overlooking a good thing like the rich fool did in Luke chapter 12 we're told there the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully and he said what will I do I have no room wherewith to bestow all of my goods. This is what I'm going to do, he said. I'm going to tear down my old barns. I'll build greater barns. And I'll say to my soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And what did God say about him? God said he was a fool. God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who shall all these things be which thou possessest? You see, that man had forgotten the God who gave the seasons of the year and the sunshine, the rain, the productivity of the soil and all the things that allowed him to grow those bountiful crops. Jesus says, you think about the birds of the air. And He tells those people there on that mountainside, you folks are more important than the birds. If God, through His providence, cares for the birds, won't God care for you also? Are you not more valuable than the birds? After all, you and I were created in the image of God. You and I were redeemed by the precious blood of God's Son. Jesus says, don't let physical needs distract you from what's important in life. And then I love verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? We can worry about it constantly, and we're not going to get any taller. And that passage shows the utter helplessness of man. There are things, write this down, it's on the final exam. There are things in life we cannot affect by worrying. And worrying will not make our bodies grow any taller. Worrying about it will also not make our bodies any thinner. If it did, the way my mother and my grandmother worried about my weight all of my life, I would be a poster child today for anorexia. But worrying doesn't affect any of those things. Worrying about food and worrying about clothing does not guarantee that we'll have them tomorrow. It's pointless to worry. Jesus tells us of God's care for the birds. Then He tells us to consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. It's done through God's providential care. And then Jesus said, will He not much more clothe you? If God is able to clothe the grass of the field that's here today and gone tomorrow, is God not able to do that for us? Is God not willing to do that for us? And then Jesus says, "Oh ye of little faith. If we worry about clothing and food, if we are anxious about those things, Jesus says our faith is weak. Jesus says we don't have the faith that we need in God's promises to care for us. We don't have the faith that God's going to deliver on that promise. And then in verses 31 through 34, Jesus summarizes the anxiety over material things. He says, don't worry about food and clothing. People without God, the Gentiles, he says, naturally worry about those things. But we shouldn't. Because we have God as our Heavenly Father. God is aware of my needs and your needs. God's able to provide for those needs. He says for us to seek God. To seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness and put that first in our lives. And everything else is going to fall into place. The rule of God and God's will should be the main priority of our lives we do that by serving God instead of man. We do it by laying up treasure in heaven and not on earth. And we don't worry about tomorrow. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. What have I said so many times? We sit around and we build massive suspension bridges in our minds so we can cross raging swollen rivers. And we get to them and they're nothing but a mud puddle that we can step over. We don't need to cross bridges before we get to them. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. You know why? Jesus says, every day has got enough trouble all on its own. Don't try to get tomorrow's troubles on top of today's. Just take care of today's problems. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough troubles all on its own. We let tomorrow take care of itself by trusting in God. Now, all of this said, is it easy not to worry about things? No. Is it easy to not have anxiety in our life? No. But should we be consumed by worry? And should we be consumed by anxiety? when you think about it, and some of you've lived longer than some of us, and I'll just leave that statement right there. How many times in your life has worrying about something ever helped you fix the problem or solve it? You see... When we belong to Jesus Christ. When Jesus is the Lord and Master of our lives. We find out something. There's no problem too big for Jesus to handle. And there's nothing. There's no burden that we're going to face. That's too big for Jesus to carry. That's why He tells us to cast our burdens on Him. But for all that to happen, for us to be able to cast our cares upon Jesus, for us to be able to let Jesus carry our burdens, and for us to let Jesus solve our problems, Jesus has to be Lord and Master of our lives. And if He's not Lord and Master of all of our life, He's not Lord and Master at all in our life. And I don't know what the condition of your life is. I don't know what's going on in your world. But if you need to make changes, if there's something you need to do to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Master of all of your life, and we can help you do that, this is your opportunity to come as together we stand and while we sing.